Well, good morning. Welcome uh, to this Friday, October the 13th edition of the Ag Market Network. I want to first thank our sponsor, Bear Crop Science, for making this program possible for you. We want to thank our cotton panel uh, for being with us today and to Kip Butts for leading us. Kip, thanks for being with us and sharing your thoughts on the cotton market. Well, good morning. Thank you, Pat. Good morning, everybody. Uh, as we all know, we got a, the October uh, WASI report yesterday. Uh, I guess the biggest deal on this, I'm just going to run through these numbers, then we can chat about it. If I, by the way, if I miss something, fellas, y'all be sure and, uh, and chime in there and let me know I've, uh, I might have overlooked something that, uh, that should be talked about. Uh, on the balance, the world numbers were, for practical purposes, unchanged. Very small changes. Uh, only 110,000 uh, bales increase in production. Uh, domestic meal use was up 260,000 on a global basis. Ending stocks were down only 160,000. Uh, anybody who's looking at the report yesterday knows all the big changes really were in uh, in the U.S. But but outside we had uh, about 700. And 50,000 bales increase in production, primarily in Brazil, Argentina, Greece, and a few other little places here and there. Uh, the Chinese numbers were unchanged. India numbers, uh, the balance sheet, we saw an increase in imports, uh, increase in exports, a near unchanged ending stock number for them, which, as we all know, uh, has become a topic of discussion uh, Indian stocks uh, for quite some time now. As far as... Uh, some of these other uh, countries, I mean, Vietnam saw an increase in imports, an increase in domestic use. I don't think anybody would be real surprised about that. That country remains on fire uh, as far as uh, domestic mill use and their spending capacity. I know that uh, Oway's done quite a lot of work in, in Vietnam, and I bet he's not even a little bit surprised to see those numbers increased uh, in that country. Um, I guess the real deal on this is the, the U.S. Uh, saw a 640,000 bale decline in production. Uh, we had a 400,000 bale decline in the uh, in exports, and ending stocks were barely changed at 200,000 down. Uh, for us, I think our shop, one of the surprises was where these changes were made in the U.S. numbers. Um, particularly the district breakdown, which I'm going to ask John in just a minute. I know he's done some quite a bit of work on that. I'm going to ask John to, to talk to us about the district breakdowns but uh, in cotton uh, production in Texas. But here, here we were a little surprised, uh, given the, <clears throat> the kind of uh, weather impact that the U.S. cotton uh, production has had this year. You know, three, three hurricanes, uh, uh, August, September, uh, Growing uh, conditions in Texas have been considered substandard or certainly not, uh, quote, normal. And uh, then, of course, we had the uh, earlier this week a, a frost freeze kind of scare in the panhandle, which really turned out to be, uh, from what I've read and heard, and, and I'd like for John to comment on that, it seemed like that turned out to be a, quote, non-event. Um, on balance, uh, this report... I. At least I view it as being a a neutral to if you if you want to be one or the other and say uh, it has to be bullish or bearish it's probably so modestly bearish it doesn't count. Uh, I think it's more a neutral number. Um, and really, I think just going through the numbers, unless you guys saw something that I didn't, uh, that kind of gives us a pretty good overview of this report. Would would you all agree or disagree with that one? Well, 
I think that's a fair statement. So I guess if, if for the overview, that's it. I'm going to ask John if you don't mind. Would you would you give us a little bit of a breakdown on the district and your comments on uh, on what's going on in you know the largest by far the largest state uh, for production? Well, we'll mention too that in the U.S., Georgia uh, and Texas had the two biggest declines. The same number on a percentage basis, of course, Georgia had the biggest drop, and that uh, is attributed, I think, you know, to the to the hurricane. But the Texas is where it gets interesting because you have to question, uh, uh, or there are some questions rather on those district breakdowns. So if you would, John, would you give us a little bit of a, a rundown yeah. on the uh, Texas situation? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, at first glance, you know, I, I looked at just the state production changes and said, oh, okay, they did it. Uh, you know, Georgia's down a nice round government number, 300,000, and Texas is down 300,000, and they finally, you know, last month they kicked the can to October, and now we've got our hurricane losses. And then and then I pulled up the district uh, numbers, and so Texas is down month over month 300,000 bales, but 255,000 of that were adjustments in the Panhandle and, and the South Plains. Uh, they were both down almost 5%, 100,000 bales in 1-1 in one one and 150,000 bales, fewer bales in 1-2. And so, and very, actually very negligible month-over-month month changes in the districts that were affected by Harvey. So I'm like, oh, brother, what does that mean? Um, well, it means a number of things. I, I, I talked to a number of uh, uh, agronomists about the freeze impact and about what was behind, possibly behind uh, USDA uh, thinking and, and adjusting the Plains numbers down. And they're, you know, to a man, well, I talked to three, um, they're very much focused on the impact not of the freezes on Monday night and Tuesday night, which I agree with Kip. I think there was a lot of uh, chatter about those going in, and it didn't turn out to be anything serious. But what, looking back, the agronomy people are focused on uh, how August and September were cloudier and cooler. And if, if something has affected the race and affected the outcome, it's that, which we can't really do anything about. Now, I'd love to have a you know, the next 10 days be warmer than normal, and I hope October plays out that way. But what's what's done is done in terms of what could have been or 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 not with with what happened with the weather being cooler than normal and cloudier than normal in August and September. And so I I think that explains why we're down um, that much over 100,000 bales in both of those high plains districts and the northern. Rowland Plains district was down 6%. It's only 30,000 bales. Um, but that turned out to be a bigger event and a bigger thing than incorporating any Harvey losses. Now, the only way I can explain the month-over-month -month numbers uh, that makes any sense to me and incorporates uh, what is still likely to have been, you know, at least 200,000 bales impacted or lost due to Harvey is that USDA must have underestimated, seriously underestimated, the yields and the production coming out of the coastal bend and the upper coast when they came out with August and maybe some the September numbers, they were way too low. And so what would have been, you know, something would have been 200,000, 300,000 bales higher, except that they're netting out some preliminary estimate of, of Harvey losses. But the local Cotton Council guy called all the gins down here and they're of the opinion that that Harvey's losses are 
a 50% loss on what was not harvested in the affected area. 50% loss and then 50% degraded of what was still on the stock. So 50% loss and 50% seriously degraded. So, you know, that could be that could be 50% of 400,000 bales uh, lost. So that's why I'm kind of stuck on a... I was looking for a 200,000 bale cut. And like I say, it's... I think you're not going to see that in the month-over-month month comparison. You're only going to see that in uh, inferring kind of what would have been. So, yeah, that uh, to me that would that Texas district breakdown was a little bit surprising. Uh, but I think your comment that maybe the yield was severely underestimated—that's uh, always that can be debated. But that. That seems the most logical explanation because I think most folks would say that kind of storm certainly had a negative impact on production to one degree or another. And uh, so then you just, as you said, it, the question becomes, was there more there to start with than anyone yeah. thought? It's either that or they've kicked the can down the road again and they're waiting, particularly on these modules that are getting broken down and ginned or making, maybe they're making a judgment at the gen. No, that's not going to go through. Forget it. And so it's sort of this delayed damage loss kind of assessment. Yeah, there could be some of that, too. Looking at the numbers yesterday, John, I saw that the uh, the bowl counts were just out of sight for Texas this year. Uh, and, I mean, that gives us the potential for uh, maybe a larger crop than people are looking at now if we, you know, those bowls mature and fill out and all that. Of course, that's going to require... Uh, an Indian summer uh, to a degree. Uh, of course, we need for temperatures to pick up a bit. What uh, What are your thoughts on that that bowl situation? There? That, that, those it, numbers are pretty large. It jibes with everyone that I've talked. I, I haven't gone out in the field and counted bowls, but I know a lot of people who have, and and they all they all agree that it's incredible. Uh, so the so the green bowls are out there, uh, and so it's just a matter of uh, can they. Can they uh, mature enough to be harvested? And uh, that remains to be seen. That you know, I'm sure that a lot of the most northerly region is shut down. May not be dead from Monday and Tuesday, but it is, and it may revive. It may revive and get a get you know a week, ten more days of uh, of uh, development maturation. But uh, you know, the question is, how many green bulls are going to be left unharvested? When the, when the race is finally ended. Right. Away or Gerald, any any comments on this report? N nothing that sticks out. I mean, it, <clears throat> kind of like what Kip said, there just wasn't a whole lot in this report to get your teeth into and and to uh, get too darn excited about. I just uh, <coughs> from a uh, from an export standpoint, I I thought it was a little comical that. Um, that they would reduce hours and, and raise other folks, almost as if we're not going to be competitive, um, or maybe people will be other people will be more competitive. Um, but uh, other than that, I didn't think too much of, of anything. Well, Pat, yeah, I, I, I really, I, you get down to it. About all I can say is ditto. I, I was expecting a larger decline in the U.S. crop. Uh, had stated that, so that's egg on my face, but uh, certainly not the first time. The uh, 
And, and, and Gerald's taught me more about this than anyone else, period, but I guess I didn't stay for the last chapter or didn't take the final test. I thought the, the decline in our exports was, and, and the increase in the other countries' exports was really related to two things. One, they had just simply gotten our exports too high to begin with, and, and that's my overriding thought but also noting that they increased exports for Australia, Brazil. Uh, uh, excuse me. Y- y'all correct me. Australia was on that list. It, it, and uh, Brazil, uh, too, and India. Yeah. Right, and true. India, uh, but, but Australia and Brazil just simply on because of quality. Now, granted, they're, they're starting to run out themselves, but uh, they do have that reputation. And India was increased just simply because of their crop. And they've got a little bit better quality this year, a little larger volume of quality. So that was, to me, that was the reasoning in the export issue. But it, the overriding issue was that they had to come down off of U.S. Uh, they had just gotten ahead of themselves. But not the surprises I was expecting, but uh, a, a couple of minor surprises as we discussed there. Well, one thing I just want to comment on, we've talked about India here. I was I was thinking that they might increase the Indian production on this report. Uh, I, unless y'all are seeing something different than I have, I, I'm thinking that both India and Pakistan over time, Pakistan is a smaller, smaller increase, but, but their arrivals have been way ahead of last year, and uh, expectation is that Pakistan may have a bit of a, a larger crop. India as well we're seeing. I don't know if y'all are seeing something different. If those two things are realized, that just puts additional supply out there to compete with U.S. exports. Uh, our sales and shipments, though, particularly our sales, have been very good. So it's kind of kind of hard to... Uh, if 400 seemed pretty big drop to me. I, I think I'm maybe aligning myself with Gerald here. But uh, the sales have still been very, very good for, for U.S. cotton. And so uh, we would have to fall off quite a lot, and maybe that happens. But but they may be forecasting something that may happen towards the end of the year or of the market. Well said, Kip. From the standpoint of the uh, the potential for an increase in India, I certainly did not mention that you did. But uh, I would not have been surprised to have seen a bit of an increase. Uh, in, in in I don't know two hundred, three hundred thousand bales. But again, that may not be enough at this time of the year for USDA to take that step forward and increase the crop size in right. India. It's $30 million already, and they're just going to increase it 300000 <laughs> yeah. But good point. Have you all heard anything about the Pakistan number? Would you agree or disagree that that crop might be underestimated at 9.15? I'm thinking it's a little bit underestimated given the, what we've seen so far, but I don't... I, I don't know. Y'all may have better information than I have on Pakistan. Well, it could well be. It started off behind the eight ball a bit, and it's kind of edged, eat forward uh, month by month. So, mm-hmm. uh, okay. I, I say good for them because they've had what three or four years of really tough conditions over there. Well, no kidding. <laughs> I'll, I'll let everybody know. Exports, of course, came out. This morning, and we had net sales of 154,400. 
down 4% from the previous week and from the four-week average. In, uh, Indonesia took 30, 32,600. Vietnam took 25,600. China took 22,600. And the shipments were 118,000. Um, I made a note here, and this happened just as we were starting. Cotton was up 17 in December, just before the report. Right now, cotton's up 30. So let me bring up this, which everybody wants to hear. What do we think prices might do? I know, Kip, in the past you've talked about the five being in front of this price for cotton at some point. Uh, what What are your thoughts now on uh, your price projections? Well, the market has stayed up a lot longer than I thought it would, and and, and for good reason. I mean, I, I I'm in hindsight's 2020 on these things, but. Uh, I'm, I've got to give uh, give credit where it's due. Gerald and Oway, particularly, were very adamant these prices were going to stay up uh, in the mid to high 60s, maybe even 70 cents. I I didn't think we'd stay this long, but I also did not think we were going to get hurricane after hurricane uh, to kind of put a risk premium in this market. <clears throat> Excuse me. So so I think this risk premium at this point is well deserved. I think we're still. A lot of questions about the U.S. crop, particularly what's going on in Texas. I mean, John sat there and reviewed the situation for us today. There's still a lot of uncertainty in there. Uh, if, in fact, and, and our shop uh, tends to always give the plant uh, all the potential credit we can to, to let it perform, uh, we still think that under the right weather conditions, we could get a larger crop, particularly in West Texas, than, than a lot of people want to give credit. Uh, and so my thoughts are that the, the market, after we get this risk premium out and we start counting bales, find out it's a little bit bigger than, than people think, particularly outside the U.S., I think we, we may still be underestimating supply out there. I think we're still going to move these prices down. Uh, won't be surprised to see a five in front. However, I did say before we were looking for kind of the mid-50s. I'm coming off of that one now. I'm just not sure we're going to see that. Uh, the demand has been... A lot better than I expected to see it. Uh, although, and the the relative competitiveness of the polyester fibers is still strong, but not quite what it was before. Cotton is actually gaining, not gaining share, but certainly not losing share anymore. So I think that's supportive for the cotton prices as well. Also, if we look at what's going on just recently, the World Bank and IMF have both increased their forecast for global growth. That uh, that supports thoughts for better demand for cotton. So, yeah, I'm still probably, I can't speak for the others right now. I'm probably still a little bit more bearish than the others, but not quite to the degree I was. So I'm going to have to kind of back off of that mid-50s idea. And maybe we see uh, the very high 50s, but I do think the market is still overvalued relative to where we should be in the, in the near future here. So you're talking high 50s towards 60 for the low. What, yeah. what is your high? Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, you know, having said everything I just did about the potential for the crop to do well, we could sit here and find out that all these green bowls out there uh, don't perform if we get a, a average or early frost freeze, which is not forecast, by the way. Uh, our guy says it's, it's going to be sort of a normal to potentially later than normal freeze for Texas as far as uh, the large growing areas. So if we get that, then I think the market can uh, can stay right in here, maybe even go up into the very, very low 70s. I don't think we get much over that given the uh, situation outside the U.S. 
However, I can't discount another rally uh, because if we get some event here. And I've got to believe the hurricane season's over, but uh, I hope it is. Okay, let's go to John. What are your thoughts, John, on price projections? Well, I, I, I like that detailed uh, uh, assessment that I just heard. And I'll just echo, you know, we could very, very easily out here swing 500,000 bales higher or 500,000 bales lower, depending on how things play out in the next few weeks. Um, but allowing for that, I'd, you know, I'd say from where we are, I don't know, 69, 70 to 58. That's my range. Okay. Uh, Gerald? <clears throat> um, well, I, I, you know, it, it, it almost seems like it's universal. Everyone feels like this market should go lower, and, and it probably should. I, I don't know. The, the trade especially, I think, has been very uh, um, adamant about this, this market needs to move lower. And I'm not sure it needs to move lower uh, more, or rather they just want carry in the market. So um, I think that's part of it. Also, I think, uh, you know, to get us a little bit lower, to, to continue to, to move some cotton, you know, we probably do need to move a little bit lower to, uh, to realize a 14, uh, 14 and a half million bale export number. So I'd probably, you know, I'd be in the 64 to 66 cent range, though, really, as far as the low is concerned. You know, as far as the high is concerned, you know, I think we've seen it already for, for this year. Um, uh, you know, unless uh, something interesting happens, I don't know that we'd get back up into the into the mid-70s. But, uh, you know, you could probably make a run for 72 or 73 cents at, at some point later this year. But uh, so 60, let's call it 63 to 73 cents for, range for this for this year. Okay. Away? Well, uh I thought very interesting and somewhat tongue-in-cheek. Uh, I reviewed Gerald's last book on price prediction, and I've just about uh, finished my editorial of it, and uh, we get ready to send that to Kip and John so they can catch on to this bull here we've got raging. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've, uh, uh, we enjoy the four of us certainly going back and forth on price prediction, and from time to time each one of us does pretty good. Uh, they do much better than I do, but it's been difficult for me to bear up on this market uh, since that first crop report came out, and it was such a surprise, and yet uh, the market didn't suffer a great deal, and it's been basically flat since then. The volatility uh, in prices or the change is just, it's just been uh, day after day. It's just been no change almost. I would come back and say that as Kip mentioned, polyester situations is stabilizing somewhat around the world. We are seeing higher prices for polyester in China. We're seeing China crack down on the on the uh, polyester production side because of the pollution impacts they're having, and that has been somewhat beneficial to cotton, and that takes us right directly into the demand sector and. Uh, demand uh, tends to push prices more than anything else, and demand tends to push prices up, or in this case, I would say it's holding prices here in the mid to upper 60s. I would go to the very, very low 70s, as Gerald suggested. Uh, the other thing I think we look at is, uh, and, and you guys, you know, certainly as we always do, correct each other, or, or 
challenge each other. This crop could still be maybe a million bales lower easily. It could be three, four hundred thousand bales larger. Uh, just depends on what kind of weather Texas gets, West Texas particularly, but uh, the rolling plains as, as, as well as the high plains. Uh, uh, a few, few, few thousand acres in in Kansas, and a few hundred thousand acres in in Oklahoma. That could still be affected and take this crop lower if they got the bad weather. Uh, so that 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 that's that's the big one in my mind. It hangs over where prices are going to go with with the crop. It could, as I say, could be a million bales smaller or three or four hundred thousand bales larger just yet. The uh, other issue, to me, comes back to exports, and I see we're disagreeing a little bit this morning in that regard. I just look at the last, uh, we have had great export numbers to date. If we look at total exports, they've been outstanding. But if we look at exports the past month, and to what extent maybe the Galveston, uh, not closure, but slow down because of Harvey, uh, the Houston Galveston area, but if we look at exports the past month, they have. I, my terminology is they've not been good. They've just been the hundred thousand bales, or maybe a hundred and sixty at the top, and that's not the export pace we've seen. Of course, we have had merchants out there very reluctant to offer much quality because they they rightfully begin to be concerned about 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 inequality and the exports that we have actually booked probably for the most part are very high grade. And so not having any, or, or potentially we're assuming grade problems down the road, so we're, we're not, not offering as much, and all of a sudden now we're getting ready to see some Indian crop come on. Uh, so that that is, to me, supportive of the market. But as much as anything, this market's not deviated at all. Uh, since that first big crop report came out. So the 65 cent to the low side, uh, you know, maybe we bleed a cent lower or something like that or 130 points lower or something wild like that, but basically 65 cents to the low side. Still got to hang at 70, 71 cents to the top side. Uh, that's that's just where I would come out. Okay. Oh, wait, it's Andy. Gerald. <clears throat> Um, you know, last year's exports were so exceptional, <clears throat> and I think because last year's ex- because last year's crop quality was so exceptional. Um, you know, this year you're getting some more mixed qualities in there. You know, some light spots and spotted cotton, particularly where where the the hurricane has had some impact and stuff. But do you think that? Uh, um, and I'm throwing this out to the group that. Uh, you're going to have to move – prices might have to move a little lower than we think just to um, rid ourselves of, of some of these lower lower qualities because you, you, then you start competing with, you know, some of these other countries. Great point, and, and, and certainly we have to be very concerned about that. Last year, as you mentioned, we had a phenomenal um, uh, quality crop, just almost unbelievable. Everybody had it. Uh, everybody in the U.S. had it, but uh, – and this year we're not going to see that. Uh, the board trades a strict old million inch and a sixteenth, which today has become a, a low quality. So the board trades a low quality contract. So the, the board's got to stay down there to move that low quality. Uh, that is a big concern of mine, uh, quite honestly. But also what we've seen this year. Last year we saw uh, a great deal of change in price and, and a reasonably 
reasonably unchanged basis for much of the year. This year we're seeing basis changes and a flat price. It's just just the reverse of last year. So hopefully uh, we'll see more impact in basis as opposed to actual New York. But uh, you make a great point, certainly. Any other thoughts from, from anyone? I'll, I'll share a quick one. OA mentioned low volatility. That, among other things, implies that uh, options on red December are cheaper than what one would think they should be this this early. I'm thinking puts and put spreads on December 18 are have been surprisingly affordable. If somebody was thinking about putting on an early hedge, basically to protect them, it's to protect their insurance price, which will be established in. January uh, from slipping from the upper 60s to the lower 60s. John, I commend you for that. That's a great, great, great point. First, I didn't hear you right, and I did understand in my mind that you said red deck. Uh, this is the time to go buy some red deck calls. I think that's an excellent point. Thank you, John. I'm glad you brought that up. I We talked about that the other day, and I'm, I'm happy you brought it up. I, I think that's an excellent point. I agree with OA. As, as long as we're out there making comments, uh, let me throw in one. It's certainly not going to be of the value that John just, just made. And, again, I, I want to reemphasize that to everyone. John just made a great point. It, it's probably time. I know it's awfully early, but uh, it's red deck. It's low volatility. Uh, prices are a little bit lower than they were last year. would not expect to see any increase in world production. Uh, we could still see a production increase in U.S. production next year because the seed companies are now giving us varieties with these bowl counts we're seeing that just perform extremely well, and they're performing extremely well in even even this, this semi-adverse weather or whatever kind of weather we're having. But uh, uh, just we, we keep talking about uh, this Indian situation and USDA's lack of attention. Had some some guy this past week that suggested that. It was not possible to even count the bales in India, but uh, he's not been there apparently from what he said, so he doesn't understand the Indian situation. But the uh, if you'll look at if you'll take Indian USDA's Indian exports and Indian imports, and if you'll just over time run a volatility chart on the on the USDA numbers on that, you'll see that uh, USDA numbers are just all over the board. It's it's a true volatility. They they just gyrate every month, up and down and up and down and up and down. So uh, without any any accusations, because I don't know, uh, I just tend to think that USDA uses India, the largest producer and second largest consumer, just uses that database to balance their entire world database. And I, I, think, I think it's getting time that... Uh, they need to take a long, long, hard look over that. I know a number of years ago they based their comment on the fact that uh, the Indian cotton year runs a month or two longer than the U.S. cotton year, and they were trying to balance out the deliveries or the, or the carryover that was necessary to feed their textile mills. But that's uh, that's a no-show uh, or a nothing burger, as the new word has become, and the fact that India... India cotton delivery, deliveries occur ten and a half months out of the year, whereas we're in the U.S. what we get deliveries seven months if we stretch it. But there's cotton being delivered out of the field to mills or out of the gin to mills, 
constantly, just year-round. So still think we have adjustments coming there, and who knows? That's a total wild card, even if they'll do it, and an equal wild card if if, if they do it, when they would do it, and what that would do to the market. Uh, China probably has a little bit less cotton and has demonstrating China generating demand, showing demand to be stronger, in my opinion, than what USDA is seeing. The USDA did finally come on the bandwagon with respect to increasing the Vietnamese demand, their offtake. That was a positive signal. But it's difficult to uh, to get bearish at all for, for me, and particularly even out to 2018, 2019. Thank you. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, I, I, I want to make a comment on the India. You, you use this part of your... Now, I'm not defending uh, USDA and their their numbers in India, but I will comment there's a reason for that volatility in the imports and exports over time. For goodness sake, the uh, the Indian government has banned exports at one point and allowed them to go on. That There's a lot of uncertainty on the, the government action there. So I can see where numbers, as far as the imports and exports are concerned, would be pretty... Uh, pretty volatile simply because if you recall, as I said, there, there's at least twice where they banned exports and then they allowed it and they're on again, off again. So so there's a, a bit of uh, uh, a bit of just natural sort of internal volatility involved in that. I'm not going to argue your point that uh, those numbers may be uh, may be off because they, they well might be, but there is that, uh, I, I've had some discussions with as many of us have, Regarding the way they come up with those uh, those ending stock numbers, they do seem, in my mind, to be a bit large. But I haven't counted the bales, so I'm and I'm not going to pretend to do that. But I do understand the methodology of trying to take their crop year, which is uh, October, and ours and the U.S. is August, so they are making an adjustment for that. Uh, and I've tried to do that. I don't come up with the same numbers they do, but I'm not going to. I just want to say there there is some some kind of number uh, changes going on there that may explain part of that discrepancy. Well, your you, your point's well well taken, and I actually do, do agree with you. No, I it, it's just a great debate we're having, and uh, I'll come back and say the the, the USDA folks are the best we got. Uh, so uh, while I I support them, I still uh, as we do reserve the right to criticize them. Uh, we we've got to do something, so why not pick on USDA? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they 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 uh, they're well trained and do a great job. I, I, I will always say say that. Uh, once upon a time, I was one of them, and proud to be there, and proud to have had that experience. Any other comments as we wrap up? You're still getting your pension there, though, aren't you, OA? That's uh, that's the closure. President Trump double that. President Trump double that for everybody out <laughs> in California. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, we want to. Uh, we had a, a a good a good program today. We thank everybody. Uh, thank all our uh, speakers. Thanks to Kip for leading us. Uh, we want to say a special thank you again to Bear Crop Science for making this program possible. That concludes this edition of the Ag Market Network. Thank you. Thank you, Pat.